Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the pod, I am so excited to say we have my friend Heather Hartnett, general partner and CEO of Human Ventures, though she's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask her that much about. Heather, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Are you ready to dive in? I really am. I think this is so refreshing. It's hard to think about non-work things, but I'm very, I'm up for it. Yeah. I believe that you're up for it. And I believe you're going to rise to the occasion personally. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Mercury, the company more than 100,000 startups trust for banking. Now more than ever, startups are looking for the safest place to put their cash for uh, no specific reasons other than just um, because. Anyway, Mercury offers secure banking through an intuitive product experience that innovates alongside you. Through partner banks and their sweep networks, Mercury customers can access up to $5 million in FDIC insurance. That's 20 times the per bank limit. Why that matters? These sweep networks protect your deposits by spreading them across multiple banks, limiting the risk of any single point of failure. Huh, I wonder if that'll ever be relevant. Sign up is easy. Applying takes just minutes and many customers are approved and onboarded in less than two hours. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances. Ooh, a disclosure. Mercury is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by Choice Financial Group and Evolve Bank and Trust. Members FDIC. Heather Hartnett is a general partner and CEO of Human Ventures, where she's created one of New York's premier startup studios and early stage venture funds. Since launching under Heather's leadership, Human Ventures has invested in and co-built more than 65 companies with key investments, including Reserve, Current, The Skim, Tiny Organics, and Tia Health. Heather is active in the venture community, serving on the leadership board of Tech NYC, Transact Global, Trilantic Capital Partners, Founders Council, Jack Creek Investment Corp, and Summit Impact. She's a member of the Kauffman Fellowship and has been listed in Entrepreneur's 100 Women of Influence and the 50 Most Influential Women in America by Marie Claire. Heather is a frequent speaker at TechCrunch Disrupt, Fortune Brainstorm Tech, and is a regular contributor to Fast Company and Forbes, where she covers a range of venture capital topics. Heather Hartnett, welcome to Non-Technical! Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. The pleasure is all mine. I'm so happy to have you here. You and I know each other in real life. Always one of my favorite things to sit down and chat with someone who I actually know. It's so great. I always love when you walk into a room because you're the person I want to talk up the most. We've all heard about... Alexis, and have you heard her pie? Of course, You're everybody always has, but you you always light up a room. Oh my God, too kind, too kind. I'm so thrilled that we were brought together. I'm assuming it was at Joe and Christie's that we met. I think that was the famous patio party. The famous patio party that I straight up was not invited to and tagged along with Ashley. She said, you want to come? I said, I'm wearing yoga pants. And then I went out and bought sunglasses. Did you know this? Did I tell you this? That I felt self-conscious that I was underdressed to go to a lovely rooftop party on whim. And so I was wearing yoga pants and a leather jacket. So I was like, all right, we're borderline. What do I need to complete this look? Nice ass sunglasses. And so we went to Soho, we bought nice sunglasses, and then I went to the party with confidence. You knocked it out of the park. (laughs) 
<laughs> you floored everybody with your wit. I loved it. Yeah, exactly. It was all just a cover. I was like, maybe if I look super low-key, then I will just surprise everyone by having a personality. <laughs> are you from LA? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? Exactly. Well, I'm so excited that we were brought together. And then since meeting each other, we learned, of course, that we have oodles of mutual friends, including former guests of non-technical like Ashley Mayer and Evelyn Rusley and so many others. Oh, yeah. I noticed a lot of my Investors. I mean, you have everyone. It's amazing. I, I'm really impressed. <laughs> Thank you. I like to call them font, friends of non-technical. So you're a font it. now. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> oh, Heather. Okay. Absolutely fantastic. So I want to start by asking you this. I have a tough question. How did you spend your last day off? I am going to tell you something yes. because I just turned 40. <gasps> Hell yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. And on my 40th birthday, I went to a club in Miami oh because... God. Why not? Because why not? <laughs> and my friends had me go into flying cart that went across the ceiling of what? a club. So what? that was something that I did on a day off that you would that not. That is amazing. You would not expect. <laughs> How high off the ground were you? I don't know, 20 feet up or oh whatever. I mean, it's a huge club and they had this big um, zip cord That's pretty hilarious. much the thing and a cart can. So it was my birthday and they had me come out of it. Was it fun? It was really fun. It was fun. And you know what? Any younger, and I would never have told that on a podcast. Really? I'm 40. So screw it. Yeah, hell yeah. What do you think is the biggest change so far? <laughs> I think that yeah. sentiment. It's just, you know what? I, I love my 30s and I'm really excited to see what comes next. I don't care as much. Yeah, that's <laughs> in, a, nice. in a good way. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. I think every year I care just a little bit less. <laughs> and which means it may, it's more meaningful. I yes, think, hell you know. yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, such a good place to start. Tell me this. Speaking of time, is there a song that whenever you hear it takes you back in time instantly? Oh, man. I will say my time warp comes with my mom and her music taste. Joni Mitchell, I think, was one of her absolute favorites. She knew every single breath and every single song. When I hear Pay Paradise, it takes me back to my childhood. It was always playing in the car, and, and we lived in the Midwest, and she would drive us everywhere. Joni Mitchell, similarly, Tracy Chapman, maybe Bonnie Raitt and Phoebe Snow. Ooh. Wow. Okay. That's my childhood from my mom. Do you seek out that music or do you mostly just hear it when it's on somewhere else? I do. I feel like I was supposed to be born to have my like coming of age in the 70s. I have mm. all, I even have a record player and all the oh, 70s yes. records and I go up to Woodstock all the time and I'm like, I was born in the wrong era. That's so fun. When did you get into the 70s? Was it through your mom's music taste? I think so. Yeah. I think it's, and you know, my, my parents were very progressive, kind of quasi-hippies and mm. practiced transcendental meditation growing up. Oh, really? At a young age? Very young age, yeah. They were practicing in the 70s, and so I was born into it. Wow. In the Midwest? In the Midwest. That is surprising to me, but is that because I don't know anything about how things work, or is that a surprising fact? I'm from Chicago originally, but my mm. parents moved to Iowa in a small town that actually was centered around meditation. So I oh. grew up in a very progressive community, hippie community organic food, didn't eat meat until I moved to New York. Really? And when did you move to New York? 2008. <laughs> okay. So you lived most of your life really without eating meat. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like Hurdy Gurdy Man from Donovan? No. What is that? It's a song in all of the Beatles, a lot of the Beatles songs. Yeah. You know, Jay Grudev and Let It Be. There's a lot of intrinsic messaging of meditation in there. Huh. Oh yeah. Let yeah. It Be. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. George Harrison. Amazing. Enlightened man. Mind-blowing, potentially for me. Do you practice meditation now? I do, yeah. Every day? No, I'd like to say that I do it every day. Who wouldn't, Heather? 
<laughs> just like exercise and things. You go through these stints and you feel really good about yourself and then you kind of digress and you yeah. know, it goes through cycles. I do attribute a lot of my life positivity towards practicing meditation and, and having some sort of a practice. I agree. There are literally no downsides. There's no side effects. You know, it's it's like all upside. Yeah, and it sounds kind of cliche now, but I don't use my phone to meditate. It's it's definitely an inward practice for me. I did a couple meditation courses and I really enjoyed them. And then now I feel like I more often recall the meditations and do them myself as opposed to going to my phone to seek them out. I too like the separation from the device. It's a human being thing. You don't need it. It's not one specific type of meditation that gets you there, but that kind of connection to source is really important. And then that's how we connect to this music and art and everything. It's all part of us inside. You said you didn't eat meat until you moved to New York and we established that was in 2008, you said. Was that right? What was the first red meat you had? in New York. Do you remember? Yes. It's filet mignon. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. At American Cut. Oh, wow. Wait, what were the... <laughs> because my husband, he was like, "You got. I mean, if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. So he had me have that. Probably was later than 2008 that I had my first steak, that wow. I actually ordered my first steak. Big deal. Milestone. Yeah. Have you yep. been back since to that steakhouse? I have. Yeah, we used to live down in Tribeca. It was, it was fun. It's, it's a good place. I like that vibe. Nice. What is your preferred type of restaurant vibe? Definitely downtown, no white tablecloth. I love the mid-century modern velvet couches. Okay. Yes, yes. Low light. I'm like getting old, so I don't like it really, really loud, but it has to have enough people there. No, I don't either. And I actually think it's ridiculous when it's so loud that you can't hear. I'm like, what is the point? We're here to talk and eat. Yeah, people just having fun. I just love people having fun. Yes, me too. I feel strongly about that. There's a restaurant I love that I feel does a good job. It's quite loud, but it is very fun, which is 12 Chairs. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you're not in New York, I mean, this could be an entire podcast. Yes, just so really true. fun places. So true. But one bar that I like, it is loud, but Analog, it's on West 8th. Oh, I don't and know it. And they have, it actually kind of on this music theme. It mm. used to be a recording studio. So they have this vibe of recording Fun. music and musicians that came through and everything. But they have leather couches. That's awesome. So are you yourself someone who plays music or have you ever? I haven't. I think that's a big tragedy. I mm. wish I could play guitar. There's time. It's hard to learn new things. Isn't it though? <laughs> yeah. Where does your interest in desiring to play guitar come from? Probably Joni Mitchell. Yeah. You could sing her songs. I mean, I don't sing. You could. I could partner with you. I feel like you have a good voice. I feel like you look like somebody who has a good voice. I think it's my theater kid energy that gives people that impression. Fun fact, if I could sing, I probably would have gone into theater. Really? But because I couldn't, that's what kept me Venture out capital. Yeah. The two divergent paths. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I love it. So did you ever participate in school plays or musicals when you were really young? I did a lot of theater. I actually went to the London Academy of Dramatic Art when I was young. So cool. My parents actually moved us to Holland. We were in Netherlands for my high school. And so I did the London Academy, the outpost there. Wow. I loved it. I thought that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to act. Really? Yeah. How long was that the plan? Until my dad said that could be a no. hobby, but <laughs> yeah. again, I couldn't sing. Hmm. That was tough. So I was like, I'll do straight plays. But when I was young, fun fact, I was in this thing called Odyssey of the Mind. I don't know if okay. you've ever heard of it. No. Kind of a theater thing when you're young and you're given problems and challenges, but you have to create a skit. And I was in with Ben Foster, who is now an actor, and I went to school with him early, early in my life so in, in Iowa. And now I see him. He's an amazing actor. One of his movies is coming out too. He's one of the best method actors. Wow. Okay. Do you do any kind of acting or creative stuff as a hobby? I used to do improv and I always prided myself on being like 
able to do it. And then a couple of years ago, I tried to do it again in New York and I realized how restricted I am. Uh, I just used to be so much more free. It feels to me because I did a lot of improv when I lived in San Francisco. Actually, I started improv classes because I wanted to do acting as a hobby because I grew up acting and I wanted a way to do it that wasn't a career. Improv was my solution. And one of the best things improv did for me was that it took me out of my typical posture of everything has to be buttoned up and perfect and polished and clean and and neat and in forced me to be weird and ugly and gross and stupid and all these other things that I was so afraid of being. And now I just don't do it as much because I moved back to New York and I fell out of that practice. And I wonder if I were to try to get on stage tomorrow, what that would be like. I have a feeling I'd be very, very tightly wound. Oh, I'm sure you're so good. I mean, being a comedian is actually, you know, I mean, so much more than even improv. I go to comedy now. It's one of my big things that I, as stress release, I, uh, I yes. love, my husband and I both love comedy. So Yay. we just, will go and whenever we go to a new city, I don't care if the person's horrible. I, I know, love yes, same. the courage. Yes. The courage. And also being uncomfortable. Like if you're mm-hmm. in the audience and you're feeling that uncomfortability, I think that's good for me to feel that. Yeah. It's a very human emotion that you don't get very often. And yeah. so to be comfortable with that uncomfortability, yeah. I think is really, it's fascinating to me. I love when people like comedy. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, everybody loves it, but but really I love the inner workings of it. I love both sides, the dark yeah. side of it. The, the light side of it. One of my favorite scenes of all time is Marvelous Miss Maisel when she's mm. creating her tight 10 and she keeps on just feedback loop, feedback yes. loop, feedback loop. I feel like that a lot. I feel like founders have to do that. I feel yeah. like I just, people can relate to that. I agree. I hate this word. I like the art form yeah. of comedy because of that. I like that you get to keep making it better, making it better, making it better. And hopefully then it's yeah. really good. It's, you have to be super smart to be a comedian. I, hats off. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Okay. Speaking of talents, do you have any truly useless talents, like talents that just never really come in handy, but you're really good at them? I used to be really, really good at remembering people's birthdays. It was kind of a photographic memory when you would, I would tell me your birthday and had your face and it was like a snapshot. Sure. And then Facebook just ruined it. Yes. Like it used oh to be God. my party trick. I used to go around the table. I'd be like, you told me once that we were 18. Blah, 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 blah. And everyone's like, how do you remember that? But now it doesn't matter. People are like, oh, you just looked at Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> Heather, I love the idea that everyone whose birthday you need to know is on Wikipedia. (laughs) Somewhere. It's on the internet somewhere. That's so funny. Most people do have their birthday on the internet, I think. Well, I've definitely said it out loud before. I don't know if it's ever been captured online. Well, people used to put it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I love knowing people's birthdays, and so I have a separate app that I use that keeps everybody's birthdays. That's the only function of the app because I don't want to use Facebook for that. I love it. I have a whole app for it. I think I pay for it. I really care. It's really, it makes me happy. There was a time where you could download all of the birthdays of your friends (gasps) on Facebook into one CSV. And I did, and then I uploaded it into my calendar. That is so top tier professional. That's unbelievable. (laughs) Well, it's funny. My Facebook friends though are not usually the ones that you get. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Sometimes people's birthdays come up on my calendar that I put in eight years ago. And sometimes I'm like, who? Like, and it's so crazy <laughs> to think there was a time where I was close enough to that person to be like, I want to be able to wish them a birthday forever. I mean, I think it's amazing, even if you haven't had contact with somebody for so long and you do it and you, you think that people don't remember, but then yeah. when it's your birthday, you're like, oh, it's so nice that people remember. Totally. I will say though now, because I have this birthday app, which is an unusual thing to have people's birthdays be intentionally, I think, reaching out. There are some people who I text them every year on their birthday And they don't, not only do they not text me on my birthday, which is totally fine, but we don't text at all 
for the other 365 days of the year. Last year, because now I'm using this birthday app, there's a couple people who straight up I texted and the last thing that we had exchanged was also me saying happy birthday and them saying thanks. And then it's me going happy birthday and then thanks. And I'm like, what kind of buffer do I give before I stop wishing this person a happy birthday? Hey, there could have been other mediums you talk. That's true. Maybe there's an Instagram DM. And also just it's confirmation that it is their birthday because it's in that chain. So That's true. <laughs> okay. So when's your birthday? January 19th. <laughs> I'm January 20th. <gasps> Heather. Oh my God. We'll never forget it now. Never going to forget that. Wait, I'm so excited. I love birthday buddies. Yeah, that's great. Oh my God. We're never going to forget. Okay. Fabulous. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Huge. Look at this. Look at us. That is great. You wouldn't know this. No. <laughs> Tell me this. Do you believe in ghosts? I do. Yeah. Look, if we think that we can see everything, yeah. that's crazy. We're on video right now. It's different than if we were in person. You feel EBGBs. You feel yeah. energy, charisma. Yeah. Like There's different vibrations that you feel. Totally. And then I think, yeah, I'm sure there's stuff that we don't see. Mm-hmm. I used to be obsessed with Ghostbusters and all those things. Oh, really? I always thought, yeah, and you know, The Sixth Sense, that, that was one movie that really yes. got me. Yeah, I absolutely believe in ghosts. I don't know if ghosts is how you say it, but sure. energy, presence, spirit. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. What about aliens? What do we think? I mean, I've been reading a lot more sci-fi now, mm. and I like the notion that extraterrestrial is so much different than we thought. Like, mm. they're not these aliens and everything, but they could be like different cells or vibrations or like yeah, yeah. different life, astrophage, whatever <laughs> it is. I think that there's definitely life forms on other planets. Okay. I agree. Of course. To me, it's like, duh. To me, it is like yeah. how in what – there's no world that we are – we're it. No. I think we're pretty primitive, too, compared to a lot of other I think realms. so, too. I really do. We are so delicate as a species. Yeah. That's what makes yeah. me think. I don't think this is our the final form that the universe yeah. had in mind. I think we have way too much free will. <laughs> really? Yeah. Too much? I wish- yeah, we can eat whatever we want. We can yeah. sleep. We can deprive ourselves of sleep. Like, we just have way too much free will. Yeah. We are very intelligent, sophisticated physiologies. Huh. We have so much brain to just destroy them. That's so true. Wow. You want it to be more like The Sims on like a – because on – did you ever play The Sims? <laughs> I know more about it. I, don't, I can't say that I played There was a period much. of my life where I obsessively played The Sims, which I, I think in retrospect is remarkable given that I seem to be somewhat socially competent <laughs> and yet I spent years, years of my life moving people around and helping yeah. them grow up. My number one thing was always getting them to the top of their career track. Hilarious. It also makes sense because you have such good imagination. Oh, I guess that's true. I never thought of it in such a positive way. I just thought, <laughs> well, I really did that for a lot of time. Career track. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I wanted them to have nice things and have a nice big house, which these are not necessarily the things that I value. But to me, that was the most fun way to play the game was to maximize it. You know? Yes. This game and that game. And just, always, and yeah. The, yeah, the larger capital G, the game. Also, every time I talk about The Sims, I want to re-download it. I have this like physical feeling in my body now. Of how fun would it be to play The Sims? I mean, I guess kids now think of Minecraft similarly, right? Like that's that's how they, but I, I tried to play Minecraft. I was like, there's no objective. There's no, yeah. like, yeah. there's not, there isn't that get to the top of the thing feeling. So I couldn't play it. Do you have a game that defined your childhood in some way? Mario Kart. <gasps> 64? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Who's your racer? Oh, Toad. Always Toad. Toad is a good pick. Toad is a lightweight racer. Yeah, lightweight. Fast. Oh, that's probably one of the talents that you ask. Like, I I can beat people at Mario Kart. Really? I can beat my husband at Mario Kart, and he's really good at all video games. Okay. Yeah. 
Wow, there's a lot to unpack here. Okay, so first question. So is this exclusive to the N64 or can you also play on Switch, for example? I can play on Switch. I mean, that's easy. I would say that I did play Mario 1. 2 was hard because you couldn't save your games. 3, I got all of the warps and beat the whole thing. Yeah, That's where I left off. Okay. I didn't do Super Smash Brothers and all that. That was kind of college and then I... I had stuff to do. <laughs> I think that's very reasonable. But so Mario Kart is a talent that sticks around today. Yeah, I just played with my nephews over at Christmas. And I'm like, oh my yeah, God. still got it. The, the controls are really small. Like the controls are like- small, but you can get for the Switch, like it's like almost the bones of a controller. And then you slide yeah. the Joy-Cons on either side. So it feels more similar to a GameCube controller. Still got to say, like either I have big thumbs. Really? Small- still? <laughs> can we play? Yes. Can we have a Mario Kart and Comos night? <laughs> yes. <laughs> At the patio. We'll do it. Yeah. Oh my yes. God. This yes. is officially all I want in my life. Yes. This is all I want to do. This stuff like this, this is all I want to do with my time. Is that too much to ask? Christy, if you're, if you're listening, we're doing this. We're, <laughs> we're coming over yes. and we've got plans. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. That'd be so fun. Okay. Good. Wait, you know what we should do? Obviously, this is where my mind goes, but we should make a bracket. We should have like 16 competitors. We should do we rounds should of four. absolutely do yes. this. I love how competitive you are. Yes. This is one thing. Like, yes. This is great. I did this once in, I think, 2017 when I was living in San Francisco. I put together a giant Mario Kart bracket. I got 16 people to play. We did rounds of four. There was a scoring system. And then I made seven-layer Rainbow Road Jello shots. As <laughs> I will send you a photo. Oh, my gosh. Oh, listen <laughs> to me. I'm sitting here talking about Mario Kart when you are the aficionado here. <laughs> no, no, no. I bet we're going to be on the same level, and that's going to be the most fun. But to this day, it's like one of the most beautiful things I've ever made were like 37-layer Rainbow Road Jello shots. That's amazing. It was. That's, it makes me want to do this right now. Oh, my God. We have to get this on the calendar. Can I make the Jello shots again? <laughs> yeah, you absolutely can. Yeah, I'll figure it. out what I'm going to do. Perfect. Yep. This will be so fun. Okay, great. Let me ask you this. What is the most recent thing that made you laugh the hardest? It's not like one thing. Actually, when I went to the comedy show in LA, I went yeah. to the comedy store. Okay. We laughed pretty hard. It was yes, pretty yes. good. That's a different type of laugh. When you're with yes. either my sisters mm. or my childhood friends, there's a little part of me that comes out that's just like this absolute yes. pure bliss. Yeah. And when that happens, so I think it's with my sisters. My sisters mm. know me so well that yeah. they can just totally call my BS. Like they just call me out on stuff and we'll yes. just laugh. So and so when you laugh so hard that you start to like yes. actually tear up and cry. My birthday, my sisters were there with me and we had a couple of moments like that. That is so fun. That's the best feeling. And I think that's also why everybody loves to laugh and loves mm-hmm. comedy is because it does take you back. I think my five-year-old stuff was so blissful. Really? I just, there was nothing that could like make me stop laughing. Oh, that's so cute. Life beats you down a little bit, but like that is my essence. That is so interesting. Fun fact, I think I get more joyful as time goes on. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that's, is it because you care less what others think? I think it's because I continue to develop more ease towards things and towards life. And I think I used to be so much more, yes, caring about things in a way that felt very tightly wound. But I think also as I get older and maybe more mature, just have more life experience, I'm so much more open. I actually, in fact, I know this, I laugh a lot easier now than I did like six or seven years ago. And I know this because I'll watch TV and I'll watch some of the same shows and I will laugh harder. I'll laugh more easily. I use that word ease because I feel like it is a result of having just more ease to letting things be hilarious, letting things be silly or weird or funny or whatever. It's good. I think that's when you be healthy. I mean, I think the word dis-ease, disease Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. dis-ease. 
right? Dropping knowledge today <laughs> on non-technical Heather. <laughs> Woo. Okay. First it was that let it be is basically about a Zen meditative state. And now disease, disease. That is, yep. Put that on a needle point. I mean, that's gorgeous. <laughs> oh no, not that old yet. That's, <laughs> oh, that's great. What is your most irrational fear? That I lose all my teeth. Okay. I have these dreams that there's this like little thread and I think <gasps> it's like kind of like a hangnail and I pull it and my teeth unravel. Oh my gosh. All of them unravel. All of them. Yeah. And I, and if it's a dream that's recurring, I don't know what that means. I think it means something though. Cause isn't that a common dream? I don't know. I had braces in Germany when I was young. It was like, oh, teeth have th- always been a kind of a hard thing for, but yeah, all my teeth just unraveled. That's a fear. That is, that would be very scary. I mean, look, in the grand scheme of things, like there's probably a lot more that you can be fearful of, that's but that's true. really an irrational fear. For me. When you, that happens in a dream, are you aware that you're dreaming? Can you remind yourself you're dreaming? Sometimes, but very like the junction point of when you kind of like wake up and you're in between states, mm. you kind of realize it, but I, I don't like lucid dream or anything. I do have friends who, who kind of have had that yeah. practice, but I don't, I love dreaming though. I love it. I think it's so fascinating. Yeah, like, it's so your psyche. fun. Yeah. Do you keep a dream journal or anything like that? I don't. I've been pretty religious with my aura ring. Uh, I need to get one of those. That's been on my list for a long time. It's my only wearable that I haven't kind of given up on once it runs out of charge. Really? But it does show you your REM sleep and your light sleep. You know, your yeah. REM is when you dream. I do remember more now. Oh, yeah. I remember that dream. It's it's bizarre, but just knowing the times when you wake up, it kind of reminds you of it. Okay. I'm going to get that ring. I'm going (laughs) to get it. I keep telling myself I need it, and then I just don't buy it. Yeah, it's just more data, more insight. Yeah, but it's like more data for me to worry about. Do you know what I mean? Once I know it, I'm going to worry about it. I go both ways. I mean, sometimes it's too much data. doesn't give you that much input. My husband's like, stop telling me if you slept well. or yeah. But for me, just that little bit of understanding that I'm going to look at it the next day makes me want to get to bed a little bit earlier. Oh, that is nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're gamifying the human experience. Okay, that's great. Maybe the aura ring helps you limit your free will, and that's why you like it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) If you weren't doing what you do now professionally, what would you want to be doing? So I just came back from LA and I was walking in the streets of West Hollywood and I was like, I would have loved to have gone there as Mm. a young something and just figured out, you know, I came to New York and I didn't know anyone Sure. and I figured out the networks here and I figured out people who I resonated with and I figured out my career and all that sort of stuff. So I could have done that in LA. I was like, what would have happened if I came here for my career? And Mm. I decided I wanted to do, I probably would have realized that I didn't want to do acting. Film producing, I think would be really interesting too, because I do a lot of producing in my job, right? You got to get the money and the talent and the vision, you know, all the stuff and you, you put it together. I think producing in general or film or I loved the newsroom, Mackenzie McHale. I was Mm. like, when I saw what she did in newsroom, I was like, that's what I want to do. That's great. I mean, fleeting, but yeah. Yeah. So why did you pick New York then? New York could have picked me. I moved to New York with the David Lynch Foundation. So I worked for film director David Lynch. And I ran with Bob Roth, his nonprofit that brought meditation to at-risk youth. So I was actually volunteering. I was in venture, but I was volunteering with inner city youth teaching meditation when I was young out in the Bay Area. And then David Lynch asked Paul McCartney to do a concert for to raise money for kids to learn to meditate for at-risk youth. Wow, okay. And Paul said yes. And I'd never been to New York. And I flew to New York with Bob Ross, along with many other people, put on a big Radio City Music Hall concert for my what? first entree into New York. That was your first New York experience? <laughs> yeah. 
I was really young, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and didn't know what I couldn't do. Yes. Really. Yeah, which is a great place to be in some ways. Yeah, really grateful for that. I mean, I always be grateful. Bob Roth is amazing. Mm. He's the one Oprah calls a meditation Bob. Mm. He's the most humble like person ever, but he has taught every major star and Wow. You know, and he and he brought together that whole concert and Paul McCartney asked Ringo and Ringo was there and that brought me to New York, but it was a very unique experience. Is this the same trip when you had the filet mignon? No, I moved here a year later. Okay. I was going to say, that's like a lot happening. You're throwing an event at Radio City Music Hall. <laughs> you're having a gorgeous steak down in Tribeca. I'm just like, this girl's living the absolute dreams. So there was a whole year. There was a whole year. I mean, it worked for a nonprofit too. I had no, I mean, yeah. it was paycheck to paycheck. Yes, and, yes. And, you know, we had incredible donors and mm. learned a whole different side of New York. When you approach something so innocently, yeah. I, I was very ambitious, but very innocent about it. Sure. Okay. Wow. Okay. I like that combo a lot. It can be a good reframe of how to think about something. What would I do if I didn't know anything? Well, how yeah. would I handle this if I didn't know anything? You know? Yeah. I mean, it didn't take no for an answer, but I yes. also didn't know that that was uh, not supposed to be what you asked. You yes. know? Fun fact, I didn't know what Eddie Vedder looked like. Of oh. course, I knew. I knew Pearl Jam, but I didn't know what he looked like. Mm. And I was at the concert. He was performing too. We were at the stage the day before. We were at the sound check, and I was sitting next to him. I thought he was the stagehand. Oh. And I was like, isn't it amazing? Paul McCartney's here and whatever. And he's like, yeah, it's so cool. And I was like, yeah. So, you know, I was talking. And then all of a sudden he goes up to do the sound check. Oh, my like, God. Oh, my God. He was in a flannel shirt. What were you feeling in that moment when he walked on stage? Part of it. It's like I'm, I'm so naive to yeah. a lot of the things that I probably shouldn't have been. I should have been screaming fan for all this stuff. Sure. I just didn't know. That's so funny. Again, from Iowa. Hippie from Iowa. Yes, you know? <laughs> truly. Oh, my God. That's amazing. What do you think now about the way the Midwest is portrayed when people refer to things as like a flyover state? Is that offensive to the Midwest? Or do you feel like I'm glad I got out of the Midwest? Or do you have a mixed relationship with it? I'll tell you that I think there's some most genuine people there. Mm. And just, you know, when you meet somebody who's really nice, like we have this good human, and it sounds like a cliche, but just like good person to their core. Yeah. They're like either from the Midwest or they're Canadian. There's the two options. Yes. <laughs> a little bit. I think that there's a depth there that people don't get credit for. Hmm. I haven't lived there for a very long time sure. and I love the things that the coasts have to offer. And so I just think everybody has to, it's, it's more than meets the eye. Okay. That makes sense. What is the one thing that you had in the Midwest that we just don't have in New York? The Iowa State Fair. That was oh, little, of course, you know, of course. <laughs> like fried butter and fried Oreo. Oh my God. Is that your favorite state fair treat, a fried Oreo? Maybe. Is it hard to tell? My mom is from the Northeast and she used to funnel cake and funnel cake was always mm -hmm. so good too. Like fried dough and all this like horrible, horrible. See, too much free will. Fried dough is the best argument yet for we have too much free will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Or Oreos. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, my best friend Romy and I would go to our, I'm from a very small town in Connecticut, and we would go to the local carnival every summer. And we that was a big treat because we would get to have fried dough. This is the one time that yeah. we got to have fried dough. And it was so good. And I always got mine with powdered sugar. Ugh. Yeah. This is a two-part question for you. First part is, who would play you in a movie about your life? And the second part is, what chapter of your life would make the most compelling movie plot? And just so you know, this could be a day, three weeks, a year, 10 years. It doesn't matter. It's just what chapter. Throughout my life, my sisters, my biggest fans, but also my biggest ridiculers. They keep us humble. Definitely. There was one time in my life where my sister said, life movie of you would be Sean White. He would play me. Ah! <laughs> Because I had crazy frizzy hair, looked a lot like Sean White. 
I think at one point when I was younger, I had a lot more like definition in my face. I mm-hmm. felt like Hillary Swank. I could totally see Hillary Swank. Big teeth, big mouth. You know? Love. <laughs> Similar smiles, though, as well. I just watched Million Dollar Baby the other day. I've been getting into boxing, but... Oh, my God, really? Yeah, I love boxing. I don't know. I mean, I could tell you any part of my life that, like, I don't know, growing up in Iowa, living in kind of an ashram, you know? Yes, oh, my God. Working for film director David Lynch, moving to NIC and not knowing anyone. Like, all the If anybody would care to listen, but... Or watch, but... I feel um, like we could make dramatic recreation. My dad's an entrepreneur. He is a consummate entrepreneur. And every really? time you're in a room with him, like he has a million stories. He is kind of the big essential character in my life story. Okay. So we would want a really big actor for that. Yeah. For that yeah. part. Did you ever watch Veep? Yes. Okay. Veep is one of my all-time favorite shows. Anna Chlumsky, I think, could play you. And I think Veda she could do an amazing from job. from My Girl. Mm, I think that would be great. I've gotten that. Really? Yeah. I think that it would be very fun. And she's a great comedic actress. And we, so we could have lots of comedy in the movie. She was in... Um, Inventing Anna yes, on Netflix. Yes. yes. Oh, good. So good. I yes. love that. Okay. Would this be a comedy movie? Would we want it to be a drama? Both? Something else? Mystery? Thriller? Horror? What do you think? Comedy with like a twist, okay. maybe. Okay. I mean, Michael Clayton's not a comedy by any means. I love the shows with a twist. I loved The Saint. Remember Val Kilmer, The Saint? No. Elizabeth Shue and Val Kilmer. I mean, it's super cheesy now doesn't necessarily hold up, but mm. it's so campy. Like okay. all those movies from sure. the 90s are so campy. Yes. But he plays a whole bunch of different roles and watch the same with Val Kilmer. Okay. It's so good because you're, because you can do all the accents and the acting and everything. He's many different roles, whatever genre that is. Whatever genre <laughs> Val Kilmer's The Saint is, is the film that we're going to make about your life with Anna Chlumsky. <laughs> there you go. There you go. This is going to be a great movie. Okay, Heather, we're going to take a really quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Mercury, the company more than 100,000 startups trust for banking. Through partner banks and their sweep networks, Mercury offers up to $5 million in FDIC insurance. That's 20 times the per bank limit. And with Mercury Vault, any funds above the FDIC insured amount can be easily invested in a money market fund, predominantly composed of US government-backed securities, providing startups of any size a simple way to manage bank risk and protect their cash. As someone that fielded many a text message from founder friends on the weekend which must not be named, I can confirm, startups already have enough chaos and hurdles to jump without also having to stress about the safety of their money. Plus, it's simple to get started. Applying takes just minutes and many customers are approved and onboarded in less than two hours. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances. Ooh, a disclosure. Mercury is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by Choice Financial Group and Evolve Bank & Trust, members FDIC. And we're back with Heather Hartnett, general partner and CEO of Human Ventures. Heather Hartnett, we've arrived at a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. We've arrived at the lightning round. Oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. Are you ready? I'm ready. I I believe. I believe. Okay, first question for you is coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. How do you take it? Black. Me too. Hot or iced? Hot. Nice. Is that an espresso? No, it's just... Just in a really cute cup. Just a very chic for our listeners, a very round, chic orb of a cup. I love that. It has our logo, but I'm not going into any (laughs) of the corpus. (laughs) It just so happens to have a logo. I won't say whose, but there is a logo. (laughs) Are you a board game person? Yes. Do you have a favorite board game? Monopoly was my all-time favorite. And then the Monopoly deal... 
oh. rendition of a short attention span now yes. for 2020s. Yes. It's it's great. That's the move. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you make the bed, do you sleep with a top sheet or no top sheet? Top sheet. Okay. Yeah, me too. I think that's the right answer. Yeah. Have you ever read a book twice? Yes. What book? The Alchemist. You are not the first person to say that. I've never read it. It's great. Okay. It's short too. Really? I love that. Thank you for saying that because that, the likelihood now that I read it just went up tenfold. (laughs) Truly. Like it's hard. It's hard to read long things. Has there ever been a character in pop culture that you felt like you really closely related to or resembled? This is going to be too self-aggrandizing, but Ryan Reynolds, I just love Ryan Reynolds. Yes. He's great. I don't know that I relate, that I see myself as that, sure. but I think that he is very relatable in, yes. to, in like the persona I would want to put out if I were in his shoes. He's very funny. And I mean, again, this is all persona, but he seems so very humble, so very grounded, like a fun person to be around. But still edgy. Yeah. Loved Van Wilder in the early yeah. days. Yeah. Oh my like, God. Wow. I totally forgot about that movie. Oh my God. <laughs> hysterical do you have a pump-up song it changes i'll say my best friend megan o'connor she's so good at sending little spotify links and says like this is the song of the minute and then i listen to it a hundred times and it's amazing it's a good friend to have her and and my husband both do that oh oh my god that is great you've got two people in your life that do that that's fabulous yeah yeah what is it right now it's like called the disco man I'll send it to you. Okay, send it to me. Also, yeah, feel free to pay these forward because I'm always looking for new pump-up songs. Yeah, it's good. This is my last question for you, Heather, which makes me sad. This time has flown, but I guess it also makes me happy because it means that we've moved one hour closer to Mario Kart and Como Style. Oh, yes. (laughs) Mario and Como. It's a great follow-up from this. Good, yes. I can't wait. What would you title your memoir? Maybe Make Your Own Weather. Oh, hey. Okay. That's wonderful. Make your own weather. Does it have anything to do with the fact that your name rhymes rhymes with weather? (laughs) Is it It make your own weather by Heather? I just say it a lot. I said, you know, if you want to get to the point where you can make your own weather, that's what the goal is. Make your own weather. Hi, I'm Heather. That's going to be the subtitle. (laughs) Colon. Colon. Hi, Heather. You're so wonderful. This is really great. Thank you for doing this. It's the most refreshing thing ever. I, uh, you don't see it very often. Well, the pleasure was beyond all mine. Thank you so much for joining me on Non-Technical. Where can people find out more about you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram, but I don't know that you can, like, this is the best part of finding out about me. (laughs) I I told you things that I wouldn't even tell my own mother. So that's great. That's the goal. (laughs) Perfect. You're a font now. You're a friend of non-technical. Heather Hartnett is my Twitter handle. You can find me there at me. I'm there a lot. Human.vc. That's my bread and butter and what, what I spend all my days on. And I hope that we can change the way venture is done and the way founders are funded. And see, this is the time when you can talk about it. I support this. (laughs) <laughs> and drink Comos and right drink here. Comos oh my god that one I can really get behind yeah it's so good tequila everyone loves tequila Who it's knew? so ridiculous how good it is it's upsetting it's dangerous <laughs> we'll have to do some of those episodes but we can we can cut to us playing Mario Kart with Comos yes! and put that a little trailer yes, at the yes, end of yes. oh my god okay that is the dream I truly it's literally that is the only kind of thing that I want to spend my time doing but work is good and important and whatever <laughs> okay. good, yeah gotta get to that top of the hill in the Sims game oh, come on seriously <laughs> And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay and at Non-Technical Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Heather, one more time. What a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank Bye. You.